2: Let's go.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon's The Wheel of Time. So it's been two years, I guess technically less, but two years since we've covered Wheel of Time. We're absolutely stoked to the max about being back. Um, this is the exact crew that covered season one. So my name is Kyle, and then you'll hear from the rest of the three. I guess I'll be our, pretty much I'll be the host. Um, I technically have read the most wheel of time so i'll kind of be that guy for us i've read all of the books i've read what the first 10 twice the first 3 three times which is kind of weird but that's the truth of it um before we get into actually talking about the episode itself just very quick binge Town housekeeping best way to support us is just going to be subscribe whenever you're watching or listening on you don't need to do it right now but just keep that in your mind once you you know paul drops a really funny joke and you're like oh i freaking like these guys and then you know you subscribe so that's the best way to do that and then the best way to interact with us is going to be our Twitter is at TV, And then we have a Discord as well. The Discord link will be, I believe, in the description of this episode. And it should be very easy to join. That sentence just kind of came out of my mouth. Um, So <laughs> I'll stop talking now. We'll get into Season 2, Wheel of Time, Episode 1, A Taste of Solitude. Um, And I'll let the others that are on this call with me, other uh, will kind of introduce themselves.
0: Others on this call, like <laughs> an actual work call. <laughs> yeah, true. Hi, my name is Dave. Yeah, uh, I'm a newbie watcher. Uh, Well, obviously I've watched the show, but I've never read the books. Really enjoyed season one. I'd like to think I was one of the more higher ones on season one overall. Um, I think if you've heard the preview of season two that Kyle and Luke and I forget who else did. Jimmy did. Mm -hmm um they also pitched they let you guys know that i thought this show was at least an a tier in my mind i'm still feeling that vibe this episode was incredible and it's crazy to think that it's been two years it literally feels like honestly very recently that we just got done season one um but we finished our season one rewatch and i really loved it on my rewatch it's been a phenomenal show and season two continues to pick up where season one left off
2: yeah yeah i am paul i'm the other rookie and you look so relaxed right now i am very comfortable (laughs) and i'm very happy after watching this is fresh off of the viewing my first viewing of season two episode one like dave i'm a rookie coming in you know saw season one because we didn't have anything to compare it to and it was you know no source material couldn't really like poke holes in it or anything so it was enjoyable to watch to talking to you guys about some of the complaints i can totally understand why there are People in the community that, you know, aren't happy with what the show did, but from a rookie standpoint, loving it so far. Episode one of season two was pretty damn good as well.
3: So this is Luke. I am the other book reader on this recording. If you caught our coverage of season one, at the time I was about two or three books in. So basically the subject matter that's going to be covered throughout this season, I would have already have read it last time we were recording. But now since then, I've finished the whole series. So Not going to call myself an expert, but I'm right there behind Kyle with just the knowledge of the source material. And I will say right off the bat, we did not address any of the issues from season one that I thought we were going to. We'll talk about that later. But ignoring that piece of it, this was a great start to the season. It kind of felt timely that they just did it like a year after the last bell time. So like it really was a good reset, restart. This is not going to be a COVID affected season. So I'm hoping only up from here. And I already really like the premiere. Uh, And
1: so, yeah, I'm ready to get into it. All right. So the way that this episode is going to go, we will discuss the opening scene and then we'll kind of take the three main storylines on their own. Um, So we'll talk about the Hunt for the Horn storyline, all of those scenes. And then we'll move to the White Tower, I think. And then Land Moraine, just essentially, you know, those are the three story buckets. That's how the episode itself went. So that's how our coverage will go. Um, We're not just going to go chronologically jumping all around. It's just easier for everyone involved. All right. So. Wow, we're really doing we a real time coverage. Um so the episode opens with what is known as the dark friend social in the community. Um they actually released this clip ahead of time like I don't know maybe a month or two ago. I just made that up, but um it, they released it essentially on the back of the season 1 finale. So most people, many people rather have seen this scene already. Um but for me this scene's really just all about perspective. Um it's just a really interesting look at Kind of the other side of the fence, almost. Um, so we get a lot of info here. Just curious of uh, what you guys were thinking as I kind of, you know, we're back season two, and this is how we open it up.
2: This was awesome. I mean, it was going right into, obviously, the biggest villain. Any more of his backstory is great because, you know, we barely saw him season one when he did finally get him in the finale. It was great. So a little bit more of him is always a good thing. Um, and, you know, to show that the menacing Trollocs are actually kind of under his or at least they respond to him well um that was awesome it's hysterical that it's called the dark Friends social yeah it's like the dark Friends yeah it's like the potluck it's like as <laughs> all right now all right, now that we're done with the meeting now we can go to the uh buffet who brought the buff chick to it? <laughs> um
1: who do you think would have brought the buff chick to oh, the
3: pot on pain, right? oh yeah dude. <laughs> he makes a mean buff chick
2: <laughs> at one point they were referred to, I, I assumed everybody at the table was referred to as uh, the Chosen Ones, so I don't know exactly what that means, but we know the Dark One is a Chosen One, and he. assuming the other one's at the table, so I don't know exactly what that entails, but Pad and Fane, he was one. Maybe we know somebody else that was at that meeting and we just
0: didn't see them. The little girl shows up. She's calling for mom, who I'm assuming mom must have been at the meeting. So I'm just interested to see how these characters, you know, just interact in their daily lives. At what point do I start to not root for our main characters? Because I fucking (laughs) love the dark one. I think the actor is incredible. Pat and Fane was obviously one of my if you've listened to our season one coverage, Pat and was one of my favorite characters from there. So like. You were also a child Balda fan, (laughs) yeah. Maybe, yeah. We'll slow our roll a little bit, but this this was really interesting. I mean, I just loved how the Dark One was kind of talking about monsters and like what really makes a monster. Like, does do I seem like a monster to you guys? And you know, the little girl replies, "Not really." And it'll be interesting to see where they go with that in the future, just because obviously, and to us, you know, we've been introduced to the Trollocs, like clearly evil monsters, but in this scene here. We get a little bit of a reaction to them getting like a hand brushed against them a little bit so just awesome scene honestly this might have been my favorite scene of the the whole episode it was just i I just i crave dark one content and this was just like perfect
1: we uh we watched this like drunk as hell last night and i forgot that we did that until i woke up (laughs) i was like oh my god i forgot we did that to kind of go on that perspective point that i made and that you guys also are making um the thing with the chosen is that so in season one we saw Steppen, i believe is like doing like a little ritual with those idols those seven idols or I, the number is escaping me at the moment but um but he calls them the forsaken and then here we get the reverse side of it is they call themselves the chosen so that's kind of a little perspective flip but the people at that table aren't the chosen okay. or Slash forsaken the Forsaken are just from, they were from the Age of Legends,
0: like with the original dragon, all that kind of stuff. Because they did refer later in the episode, I think, to Pat and Fane. Like, they there was a, a sentence of them saying, like, Pat and Fane and Chosen. Like, I don't know. That's probably what you were thinking. Yeah, and these, I don't really know too much either. The people at the table are just dark friends. I mean, they're, they're
1: obviously, I think, higher level than like someone like Dana, you know, who we met in episode three. But they're not at the level of the Chosen slash Forsaken. We got a flash of
2: a black ring. Like kind of like the ones the Aes I Sedai I have, except there's just straight black. Um, So I don't think we've seen that before. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> wonder if that's just like a
0: sign of like a male magic wielder. That's kind of like where my head's at. Or just like right a now. dark friend. I mean, yeah. Uh, or just a dark friend. But You're right. I mean, it looked eerily similar to the Aes Sedai ring. So that's just what I'm kind of hinting on
3: there was a lot to unpack here and you guys are already picking up on the good stuff there like the ring from the eyes of die is huge and then we see that the symbol of on the on the bottom half of the robe or that we, not a
0: herring yes I feel like uh, uh, that just to me right away i was just thinking like i guess birds must have some kind of symbolic meaning here because obviously parent or uh, ran sword ran sword yeah, is as the a a herring arm. and this was like an eagle or something i couldn't really yeah tell.
1: It's, i mean you get the answers in the episode essentially so like the what they show us of who's sitting there so we get presumably an Aes Sedai because we have the ring then we have a shinaran which is this eagle person in the robe which is um yeah. we were in faldara at the end of last season in shinar the people that are from that big fortress city they're shinarans um we and we eventually we kind of get that confirmation later when we will talk about the parent storyline which will happen literally directly after this conversation um we get Pat and Fane, obviously is there we have someone with just like freakishly long fingernails um, who's sitting there. It's going be just... so
0: hard to find out who that <laughs> yeah. is when we introduce that. What a to defining that, trait <laughs> of a
1: single person. Just freakishly long fingernails. Um, and then we get potentially a white cloak. There's someone there that's wearing all white. Obviously, they have the black hoods on and everything, but They have
0: like white pants. I just imagine they they have have, dark ones have bodies everywhere. The white gloves and stuff. That's that's the genius
3: of the faction. And that's why I loved episode three so much from season one is because like the Dana reveal was one of my favorite parts. And this is the reason like they can be anywhere. And the other takeaway is that they're basically being told to hunt down Rand, but don't kill him if he can be turned, but then kill him if he can't be. That's like the huge takeaway. Um, and this is exactly how book two opens. It's like the yeah, prologue. Is, so we've been waiting for this.
0: No, That's awesome. To book yeah, two. it's
3: a really good start to
0: book two. Yeah. It really was a good start to season two. It was a yeah.
1: good way to do it, too, because in the book, it's obviously it's from someone's perspective. So it's all internal thoughts of him like thinking like, oh, like, you know, that's a Shinaran. Or like, oh, wow, there's someone that that's mm-hmm. there's that's an Aes Sedai with the ring there. So like they, they did a good job, I think, of visualizing it for the. The show medium. I look for
3: those Pot on Fane smiles,
1: too.
2: He's such a little rat. (laughs) He's so good. We got the little girl in the very beginning when she was outside. She was just kind of on a plaque that was kind of the yin-yang symbol or like the dragon's fang, I believe, is what that mark was called as well. So I guess this building. The
3: the, dragon's fang is the male half. So just like
1: that black part.
3: Which is why it's like half the yin-yang and that's what they mark people who they say like this guy's a channel or whatever. So that's what that symbol is. But when they're both together, it was it represented like the female and the male yeah. sides together. It's like an old um
0: symbol of the Aes Sedai, essentially. Mm-hmm. What you were about to say, I feel like was just like the, this this meetup spot that they have, it is clearly going to be related to like some Aes Sedai historical building, I feel like personally like, maybe even from when like like or the she... original three thousand years ago when the original dragon and you know Dark One fought.
2: Yeah, the like the pointed buildings and all the different like, almost what buildings? The appointed building. Six, six points.
0: six point six points, yeah. Uh, also, this... So I, you I was guys not are just... saying six.
1: I could have sworn I counted seven. I think it was seven.
0: seven. Okay. I, I might have just been <laughs> stupid, you know? Yeah. As but... I
1: think, like, the number seven means more to the story than it being six. So we're going to move into now just the Hunt for the Horn storyline. So this is our kind of reunion with Perrin and uh, Loyal. So we get Perrin Loyal, and then we're introduced to... Um, we're reintroduced, I guess, to Uno. Uh, we get introduced to Lord Ingtar. Who they didn't really name him as a character last season. There's two actors that look alike, like the guy who's playing Intar and someone that was in season one, who were in that classic, I, I use sarcastically, scene uh, with the Horn of Valir and Pat and Fain in the season one finale. There's another character named Massima is with them as well. Those are kind of like the named characters here. Shout um, out the Last Kingdom baby. Yeah. Shout out to our boy Citrix. So I guess like before talking about things that happen here, just like a general take on like,
0: what you guys were feeling when we get you know we see loyal again we see parent again <laughs> so i mean we were we all watched it together so obviously the book readers had a a sigh of oh, I can't believe they did this kind of and you know what as even with fr- someone with fresh eyes i'm never going to be a fan of like fake out deaths like that it's like it's either you get stabbed multiple times you're either dead or like you're living like and but it, they made it so obviously that it felt like loyal was dead in season 1 that mm-hmm. i was definitely Shot. I mean, I'm certainly happy, like Loyal was amazing, a very funny character, love his character, and I'm glad that we have him back. But at the same time, it's like, he was right on death's edge in the last season, like, mm-hmm. should be dead. And I agree, the other two should also be dead, especially when facing Eilis who just completely are just skilled swordsmen, apparently, and can just like slice off heads immediately. Like, I think all three of them should have been dead. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Perrin's hair and facial oh, hair yeah, that looking good. great. Yes, it yeah. did.
2: Uh, but yeah, kind of same thing. If I didn't pod with you guys after watching the finale, I would assume that, like, Loyal is dead. Loyal or Loyal? Loyal, Loyal is want, dead. Honestly. Yeah, they're fine. Um, so, you know, I wasn't exactly surprised seeing him here, but I would have been if I didn't talk to you guys. I was expecting some of the other guys to be dead as well, but they weren't. Um, so, again, the fake out just kind of
0: it in the rewatch is kind of like a weird fa- uh it's not even like we don't right, even get protected. to see like any like healing, healing or, like, or yeah. anything like they just appear and they're just healthy it's like bark yeah. me honestly prefer like i don't mind that, that they were just like fuck it we're just gonna roll with yes, it But at least give us like if they're dying like at least like cauterize some wounds maybe like in the last yeah. season like yeah. give us something that makes us believe that they should live for the next season top three biggest
3: complaints from season one yeah. without a doubt was this stuff and yeah. it really it sucks because it takes away the anything to do with the the dagger being just anything but a random dagger that's the part that bothers me we're gonna have to just eat this because there's no they're not gonna retcon any. at this point we're just moving on i think and yeah. we're just gonna get
0: soft you didn't deal a finishing blow points deducted for pat yeah. and Fane in my yeah. eyes, please forgive us because we don't have
2: subtitles yet with the screener, so we can't have all the information fully clear. Mm-hmm. But what what were they exactly talking about with like there's a new tracker, a sniffer? Um, yeah. Are so, they talking? They're
1: not talking about the eyepatch guy, are they? No, no, they're not. Yeah. So I guess moving forward with with this storyline itself, just I think one important thing about the conversation that Parent and Loyal have on their own is that we're getting kind of confirmation. It's starting to get confirmation that they... Believe Rand is dead because Moraine basically told them that Perrin basically, you know, implies essentially that Rand's not around anymore. I, when I first watched, I was like, oh shit, I forgot almost that that was is gonna be like a thing. Like they're all gonna think that Rand's dead. So that's like an interesting little thread that's kind of ongoing throughout this episode, and then I'm sure will be throughout the rest of the season. We basically learn that they're on the hunt for the Horn. Um, the second book is called The Great Hunt. The book is basically all about this, um, the hunt for the Horn. Obviously, things are different. Rand, Matt, and Perrin and Loyal all go on the hunt in the books. Um, And it's pretty much all from Rand's perspective on this. So this this is, I think, a better chance for Perrin to kind of shine a little bit. Big audible. Yeah. But but I think it works well because so basically in the books, um, there's things called sniffers. It's a really interesting power, I say quote unquote. They can basically smell like violence and crime. Which is like a really odd thing, but um. So basically, they have a guy with them that can do that. So they're proficient in investigation. If we were dD pretty much they'd yeah sure. just get forced like to investigate murders and stuff. Like in the book, he says like I literally tracked a guy from like across almost like the whole continent who killed someone in in Faldara, and like he could just smell him and track him. I
0: feel like That sounds like a very profitable ability. Oh yeah, I mean I guess. But they,
1: one thing I guess is bad is that like you know it's like very effective okay. on them. Like you just smell violence. I feel like yeah, would okay. be like a little bad kind of it doesn't like smell good fuck you up a little you know bit. Kind yeah of like ghetto bad.
0: and a uh, jj yeah like,
1: yeah i mean yeah i'm sure it would kind of turn you bad maybe a little bit um so we meet this new tracker slash sniffer his name is elias this is a brand new character for us obviously in this season it's a little bit of an audible from his character in the books but i guess i'm just curious initial thoughts on elias and then obviously luke and i will, will give our thoughts as well <laughs>
2: he had the eyes like parent like, like emba yeah, not exactly. <laughs> not like emba not Ember, but uh, like Perrin when he goes like wolf mode. He seemed cool, but he seemed quiet. So I wonder if he can, you know, actually fight or if he just tracks or whatever. I guess we'll see. Looks like a fighter, but Perrin, like seeing the past with his wolf eyes, I was like, holy! Mm-hmm. Didn't know
1: that was part of the package. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's I think kind of their visualization almost. Because, like, the storyline in the books is essentially that um the sniffer that they had disappears, basically. And then Perrin knows that he can also do it, kind of, because of his, like, powers a little bit. Like, he has good eyesight and smell and stuff. But he's, like, kind of an in internal battle of, like, should I tell them? Should I not? Like, are they going to kill me if I tell them? type of deal? And then he eventually is, like, okay, I literally have to do this. So that was
2: the visualization of him, like, sniffing and kind yeah. of being able, like, breaking down what happened. Yeah. That's
1: my interpretation yeah. of it, for sure. It seemed like Elias kind of saw him do that. Yeah. Like, yo... It seems as well that Elias can do the same thing because he says, you know, there was a little girl that got away. So it seems like he obviously, you know, had the same level of visions and like could tell what happened there.
0: He looked exactly like Heimdall from Thor. I don't know if you know. But great character so far. Very interested to see. Like he might be a mentor to Perrin. We'll see with the abilities that they're sharing. Uh, Who knows? But I definitely, definitely have him on my radar. Yeah. Pleasant surprise because I
3: thought this character was going to be cut from the story uh, but he looks amazing, like way better than he did in my head when I was reading the books. Yeah. Like this is like a dream concept casting in my head. And I, I think he's going to be really interesting and a good scene stealer whenever he's around.
1: Yeah, they're really doing a good job. I think of it establishing early the connection between parent and him. Like Paul said, I mean, the eyes is kind of a dead giveaway. He's also just like. He just stares at parents, <laughs> which I think is even, it's even more unsettling with the eyes that he has. So he's just literally just Jay chill and just staring into parents' soul. Constantly investigating parents. Yeah, so what so is this guy? Oh, Matt's he
0: murdered 20, his wife. 20s 20 all over the place. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so then we find out as well, um, especially there's just like a bunch of bodies. There was a fight and we see that there was a dead Shinaran and Loyal kind of smacks us over the head with the connection we're supposed to make there, that he is the dark friend. That we probably saw from the social, and he was the one that let in um, the Fades and Pat and Fane into Faldara um, at the end of, or in the season one finale, who killed everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Another
1: too. note with just Elias stares at Perrin <laughs> because he just does it again at the end of the scene. <laughs> so yeah, then we move on um, to them kind of burying the bodies. Um, they have a very similar yeah, that's what that word, right? Similar burial scene to um, at the I guess it's like episode five after like the, like low the huge game
3: battle. Reference. Yeah, after the
1: low game battle, which I think was just interesting. I think Steppen was supposed to be like from the Borderlands. So I'm interpreting that this is kind of like a Borderland funeral scene in my level. I mean, in my head rather, it's like a you know a certain level of continuity. That's pretty cool. That kind of culture. And then um, we had a very interesting
0: conversation between Ingtar and Perrin. I love this. I mean, so after rewatching season one, I actually wasn't too crazy about Perrin as a character. There were a couple yeah. characters on my rewatch that I kind of fell off a little bit, just like a little, and Perrin Name him. was one. Egwene uh, definitely comes to mind was one, um, Perrin. You mean Paul's DR pick, Egwene?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I thought. <laughs> I think this is great depth for Perrin as a character. Like, this is something like, besides like the, you know, killing his own wife, which obviously is a story in itself, but like. <laughs> putting that aside. Yeah, putting that aside. I mean, this is more depth for him as a character. I mean, we see here that he really, the anger that he has, like, he doesn't, hold himself, it seems like, responsible for his wife's death. He more so blames Pat and Fane for the events of the Trollocs unleashing and then him being in that frenzy, which caused him to kill his wife. And so now we're getting this speech from Perrin and him just saying, look, I have all this rage and when I see, the closer we get, the more rage I feel. And then when I see Pat and Fane, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think this is just going to be a really good character arc for Perrin because obviously he last season, we also saw him with the Tinkers, with the way of the Leaf. So he has that whole knowledge of like peace and like loyalism and Preaching that to him a little bit in the beginning of this season and the end of last season as well, before Loyal's fake death. Um, <laughs> so it, it's just interesting that we, like, I think Perrin's going to be a very complicated character going forward because he does want to follow the way of the leaf, but at the same time, he admits here. That he has this rage building inside him that is just going to unleash at some point.
3: Yeah, that was that was good picking up on all that, Dave, Uh, because like that's just his whole thing. He's just constantly fighting this internal struggle of just like trying to be peaceful, but like fighting his his natural state of just like you can tell he has this anger. He's like the gentle giant with like all this fucking rage inside. He's going to have the toughest scenes to write because he has so many so much internal conflict going on and it's hard to do when it's not a book. yeah. His... That's why they're gonna do a lot of these types of conversations that that get you
0: thinking about like his mindset because it's hard to it's hard to show that on the screen. His story was already like one of the more interesting ones. Like his character is, itself didn't like scream out to me, but the story of like and the mystery of like what's going on with the wolves and like, his eyes, like that was all very interesting. So adding this depth of like you know character growth potentially for Perrin, I think that'll combine to be a good a good thing for uh, us as watchers.
3: Question for you two right now, like what is your just five second grasp explanation of what you think parents powers
0: i don't
2: fucking know he's like
3: he's
2: basically <laughs> he, like a wolf but he can like i don't know
0: i think i'm getting thrown off with the
2: visuals of him like sniffing quote unquote i'm
0: also getting thrown off by like ha- when this all started because like was it not like he got cut by a trollic and then all this stuff kind of started happening in my head i'm trying to piece together like okay did elias in the past survive like a trollic cut and like Now they're kind of like, maybe this is one of the Trollocs' abilities. I'm just going and pulling shit out of my ass. Like, maybe the Trollocs also are just naturally really good sniffers. They've mixed blood and like now they have a little bit of their power. I I really have no idea, but I'm taking at first in season one, I thought more of it as like a werewolf kind of thing. Like, he got bit by something and now he's going to, I thought he really was going to transform into a werewolf. I didn't expect him to get like investigative powers like this. That is a really interesting connection to make.
1: I keep hinging on that too much. It's really interesting to hear because, like, that makes sense. Like, if I'm thinking of it from a perspective of like not having any actual knowledge like trying to piece
0: things together like that connection makes a ton of sense he for all i know he could have been born with this power it's just coincidentally i just keep yeah. hinting i just keep in my brain can't separate the fact that he got hurt by the trolloc and then this shit started yeah. happening
1: and i mean they they kind of hammer that home too with like the wolf scene in season one where like it comes up and licks his wound and stuff mm-hmm. that are unintentionally obviously like forcing that connection there So it's I don't think it's wrong for you to think that way. They'll talk about it more and more. One interesting thing I do want to say about this is that so we hear in the Dark Friend social scene when um the dark one kind of caresses the trolloc and he says like, you know, he's part man, part beast and like it's so difficult to be both. I think that's you know, an interesting thing to keep in
0: mind when thinking about parenting. Yeah. As well. I mean, I and just in general, I thought that was just great backstory because I don't even, I don't know if we've ever been explained what a Trolloc actually was. Yeah. It was cool actually hearing that they are human. So I just wonder if they're like experiments gone wrong. Like I, maybe I got too much Witcher in my brain right now.
1: <laughs> like... No, that's the right way to think. We'll, we'll get more information on it for sure, I believe.
0: Um, But that's you definitely did, but you did right tell way. us in season one though, that Trolloc's kind of like are half human, and then like they're mixed with like it could be any animal, yeah. They've kind like. of still, so like, I'm thinking like maybe the trollic that attacked Perrin was like wolf related, like a wolf trollic. And that's yeah. what, again, I know we've confirmed that it's not that, but it's just
2: that's not even a terrible idea, though.
0: Like, that this is how
2: kind of how trollics are created in a sense. Like, you either are yeah. infected, and you if you're given up into the beast inside of you, yeah, whatever, definitely. you become a trollic in the end, but probably not.
1: Oh, but... dude, add that to your manga yes I mean that's not a terrible idea at all yeah Yeah. I can totally see why you would think (laughs) that but that's just I guess it's better for me to just say that that's not what it is we saw him Paul's writing a manga (laughs) uh
2: we saw him Hulk out a little bit against Valda in like the Mm -hmm. tent season one and he like kind of got like beast like traits and stuff like that so I don't know if he can go like full werewolf or like turn into a wolf or whatever or just get like appendages or parts uh, upgraded if you want to call it
1: like that or whatever but you never go full
0: wolf. I want to see him that's, go all in.
1: That's the struggle. And listeners, and obviously the four of us here, Um, throughout season one, I was writing down all of your guys' takes and theories. And one of the ones that I love so much is Paul's series-long take on Perrin is that his, he is like a reincarnated wolf king. I I'm in. <laughs> so I'm just, in I love just, it. Yeah, just to put that out there, that yeah. that was that was Paul's season one take. So hell yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll try as much as I can to remember the things you guys said. And when they're kind of relevant to the conversation, I'll try to bring them up. You know, they're always up on the board. They're on the board in terms of if the board is my notes app on my iPhone. Yeah. But trying to <laughs> verbalize them as much as I can on the podcast This well. is going to keep doubling yeah. until oh, we yeah. get closer to the app, Oh yeah, I love going. it. I love it. And we'll, we'll check some things off as well. I want to shine a little bit of light on the Ink tar himself as well. I feel like we learn in this scene that he has like a again this perspective kind of thread that I think gets woven throughout the entire episode. You know, he has this level of honor. He has like a very like rational not very emotional way of thinking it seems like everyone kind of deserves this level of respect even in death because parents asking i'm like uno spit on this guy like why are we fucking burying them like he literally got hundreds of people killed and all this kind of stuff and then he has an interesting take on the pat and Fain thing where he's like you might not like the fucking answer but like everyone in the world like does things they have their own reasons for things yeah, I, uh, I don't think parent and pat and Fane will ever have a sit down conversation <laughs> but i think it's just you know they're t- they're telling you i feel like a lot about ingtar by his takes on these things.
0: It's just getting like so many anime vibes from that conversation because it's like there's so many characters in anime that you just get introduced to and you're like, this guy is such a fucking dick or he's such a loser. Yeah. You get a little bit of backstory and it's like, shit. I'm a terrible (laughs) person. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So like that's now... I like this conversation too, because again, like I love Pat and Fane. I've, I've loved his pure evilness so far, but it will be cool to see what his actual motivations are wanting to become a dark friend. Sure. The rewards are great and whatever, but like, it seems like for Pat and Fane, maybe specifically, there's going to be a little bit more to it.
3: And for Uno, just, Keep track of how many times he curses when he's talking. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That was, I like that they gave him that little scene to shine where he's yeah. like telling the story about how they almost had him. I love how Loyal's fucking yeah. with him, too. <laughs> Even Loyal was laughing <laughs> yeah. at him. I love that. Yeah. yeah, that was good. So we do also learn the first scene, kind of, that Perrin's been writing Nynaeve and Egwene letters. We'll talk about the letter when we talk about their storyline. We're not going to talk about it here. Uh, we'll do the lantern thing, I think, all at once, too. Yeah, There's, time, so there's yep. a bunch of facets to that. It's probably not worth it to talk about it right now. So unless anyone else has anything to say about the Perrin storyline, I think we're going to mosey on over to the Moraine Mm storyline. All right, we're moseying. So this is the kind of opening beyond the Dark Friend Social. We get Moraine carrying buckets of water. This is kind of our reintroduction to her. They're kind of just reminding us, essentially that she cannot use the power at this point. That was kind of where her story ended in the in the season one finale after her interaction with the Dark One. It's just kind of showing us her mental state. Land's mental state, obviously, is a big one. And we also get introduced to some new characters. So I think just kind of anything we want to talk about that's before actually talking about like her interaction with the ship captain guy. You know, reintroduction to the storyline. We meet Varin. We meet uh, Adelaus. We meet Tomas. So just takes on these kinds of things.
2: Just her getting the water and bringing that up every day. Um, we even learn a little bit of it, you know. Later on, she yep. says, "No matter what, every day she just picks up those buckets and brings them in." Um, we saw her taking a bath and like trying to use the one power. So I don't know if that has anything to do with like the healing waters or like a connection to the one power. We saw like the healing pools or sacred pools or whatever in okay, well, season yeah. 1 so I don't know if that's like connected to this at all or, or like, in the water or like later like
0: Egwene's cleansing water later in the episode and, like
2: oh yeah I mean that might be something
0: different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to back you up lump your theories <laughs> than <into> my theory.
2: <laughs> so I don't know if that's literally just her like giving herself a purpose every day and just like trudging through or if it's like her trying to get back into connection with the one power mm-hmm. I would say it's like 99% She's trying to stay alive. She doesn't have the ring on that I saw. Yeah. That's a good catch. Land looks hot
1: as fuck. That's going to be my comment. You guys both, as they went to his scene, and it just made his ad, and you guys both like, oh. (laughs) It just like came out of both of your mouths. And then you start typing, typing, typing. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just like, all right, write that down, write that down. (laughs) Yeah, he's
0: looking good. I just... Land's great. He's one of my favorite characters personally. And Maureen, obviously, again, another favorite character. I just love so many of these characters, but <laughs> she kind of annoyed me a little bit this episode. I, but we don't have the full picture of why, she, again, she's doing these things. So I can't get fully mad at her, but she was definitely a little frustrating to deal with as a yeah. land supporter.
2: Oh, well, yeah. Freshly disconnected from each other, Warder and I. Yeah. They're no longer. Definitely not looking the same at all. Even when they're not together, they look like miserable, alone. Yeah. So they're obviously both going through their own shit right now. We got introduction to a new character, right? Varen? Varen, with a, it's a V-E-R. Varen. Varen. Okay. Yeah. So, I basically have her as the host of this airbnb that yep. moraine
1: and land are staying at looks fantastic
3: yeah all oh, right great. Looks
1: like a great place to live they had a the little garden that they picked through one scene that we'll talk about a little later like what a life this looks great yeah guesser. i
2: would guess you know, they're in <laughs> italian italy someplace
1: he <laughs> <laughs> is italian it came out of him <laughs> they're in the motherland yeah. in the homeland let me give some takes real quick. Just, oh, yeah, just want to
3: say that um, Varen, I'm a Varen stan. Like, I couldn't wait for her introduction. I
1: I was, was I was
0: looking which, at you yeah. while like <laughs> waiting for her to drop the name. I'm yeah. sorry, but without the subtitles, can you just give me faces with the names that you're saying? So which so, one's Varen? Varen is the one that was wearing, like, the brown vest who, like, said, like, this is my house.
1: But it wasn't her house? Or it I is could... her house. Okay, so she's the one. Yeah, and then the, one that, yeah, and yeah. Then the yeah. other one that's wearing, like, all the colorful that, clothing. And it's like, like yeah, and it's like yeah she's obviously you know she seems what's her name her name is adelaus or adelaus i believe i believe that's so
3: Varen's gonna be a fun character she was one of the first people i think cast in the off season between season one and two so like we knew about her for a while so i was really looking forward to that introduction um, Bale Doman gets introduc- introduced to I know we're going to talk about the, the, the yeah. content of that conversation because that's a huge part of Moraine's storyline but another classic and just in the fandom and just the way he speaks is always great too like they're
1: nailing that like the doobie, yeah. I do be that was great coming
3: here to like yeah I love yeah. all that my, my smile good. covered
1: like my whole face first time I heard that I was like oh fuck yeah
3: <laughs> and then my only thing about the Moraine thing we don't know if she's shielded with a tie off or if she's stilled they haven't really made that clear yet but I do love how it matches very much how Logan was reacting after being gentled where he was trying to get the Omerlin seat to kill him because he was so like depressed. He was like faking like rage and stuff at her to this moment. Like Moraine is still crying like every day that she can't touch the one power. And it just really reinforces like what getting cut off from the power does to you. And basically everybody commits suicide once you hit a point after not living with it, after having have touched it. So it's really good that they keep reinforcing that because they reinforce that like twice
1: already since she's been cut off and I mean season one we remember Tom we get Tom's backstory about mm-hmm. his nephew and he basically says that like once he was gentle it you know however many years he might have lasted months he lasted he literally just killed himself he was just table. at
3: dinner just grabbed a yeah. knife and just cut his throat yeah it's insane
1: so there I mean like Luke said they're definitely hammering that point home a little information here Adelaus is hung over kind of seems like a partier quite a whimsical person and then we know that Moraine has had 19 visitors up until this point to the villa. And then this horseman that's coming will be number 20. Um, so we find out, like Luke said, that horseman is, uh, is Bale Doman. He is the captain of the spray, which is a river boat. In my opinion, he came off as a very interesting character. Um, He seems to be like a collector of some sort. Uh, and they have just like a very, Interesting kind of like business negotiation here in this scene. Davos vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just complete open floor, whatever the hell we want to talk about with this. I have a lot of written down, so like we'll talk and then I'll I'll cover anything we didn't cover at the end of it. He hails
2: from the land of Ilya. Ilian um, with an N on Ilion.
1: it. Yeah. Do we know where that is? Have we been exposed to that before? I don't remember. It's tough. They haven't done a good job, in my opinion, with the geography of things. Ilyon's like all the way on the south. It's like the southernmost kind of point, almost kind of. um, And and this dude just sails a lot, though. Yeah, he's he's a riverboat captain. So there's a lot of rivers that kind of cut through the continent. So he just kind of, you know, is a trader that sails on riverboats, and that's kind of, you know, plays into the idea he's a collector. He likes, you know, old ancient things, things like that. His profession makes it easier to do that because he gets to go to a bunch of different places and he's trading all the time and things like that.
0: We got some currency, baby. We got some currency, some marks. So we got that. When she said five marks, so like five marks is a lot. And then yep. she was offering like 50 marks, I guess, for the... the Queen, he he set the end. price as that, but yeah. Okay. So just to put it... So in my head, so like five marks is a lot of money. Like that would be... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, they, she compares it to a Damani racehorse, which... Right. Is means really nothing to anyone that
1: doesn't know, but that's again, that's good. You said it was like a really nice, like, yeah, really that's honestly, place. that's really good world building in terms of like stuff from the books. Like, we'll eventually go to that place and we'll learn more about that. Yeah, and, I feel, like, I that's, guess, that plays a role in that country, so that's like an interesting thing. The
0: currency and, system itself means nothing to our yeah. podcast. I just wanted to bring it up that I also, thought it, was I, it didn't really mean shit in the books, it wasn't like a yeah, I'm sure it doesn't mean anything, yeah. just again, just good in world building and
3: sure. the Queen DR. Just know that's just like a material that's rarer than diamonds, like it is, and it can can't be made most people never see it in their entire life that's why it was casually worth 50 or 10 and it times can't be destroyed,
0: the destroyed right it, yeah like, can't it can't be destroyed,
3: destroyed by like, even magic until like this they're talking about like yeah, what the heck's yeah. going on cuz it normally is indestructible right. it's but also
2: called heartstone heartstone was what
0: uh, Rand and the dark one were on yeah the season finale of one it's the right? same thing queen Dr is his name for it's some obviously some sort of connection yeah. there that moraine's trying to do some investigation of it like why is it being Why is it yeah. cracking all over the world? I guess I have no idea. Literally nothing.
1: Yeah. So we learned that um, Mister Doman or Master Doman, uh, came into possession of this a few months back outside of Kyrian. That's just like a really, really, really important, pivotal, famous city. Um, that we'll be all in and around. You know, we'll get all up in Kyrian at some point. Um, but he basically says that a moon dial shattered one night. Um, the dial itself had a poem written on it and it was written in blood in the old tongue. He has a copy of the poem, marine fucking swindles his ass cuz you know, as she said Sedai invented the game. We do get actually a little bit of world building based off of that too. The game, he mentions the um, the sea folk, just like a again, a, if we want to call them a faction. They sail like the seas, obviously the sea folk, and they're just like really Infamous as like tough negotiators, dealing with them business wise is like very difficult. Mm-hmm. So we do kind of get that information a little bit here. So basically, she gets the Boehm. That's the whole reason why she actually called him there. She kind of against, like he said, or like I said earlier, she kind of swindles him. Um and he leaves, but not before they have a very interesting conversation about men that are following him. I really like how when he first says it, she says, you know, your enemies are your own. Like that's mm-hmm. not me. I thought that was a good way to dismiss that. Um, but we basically he tells her. He doesn't know this, but she interprets this, that there's two fades following him. He mentions the town of Whitebridge. That's kind of important as well. We can talk more about that a little bit. Um, And then he kind of goes on his way. So basically this scene, Moraine gets that poem, whatever was written on that moon dial that broke outside of Kyrian. And she kind of becomes obsessed with it almost after that. And we still didn't get what
0: the poem was. Yeah. So Moraine read it. But she was shocked. She was shocked a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it drove her actions for the rest of the episode. The Um, one comment I have on that is I think we actually did I might have misheard it, but I'm fairly certain they said that he said that that stone cracked a couple months ago and if I'm interpreting the timelines correctly, it sounds like the Rand Dark One showdown was at least like six months ago. So it seems like it wasn't at the same time. It's Periodically happening over the course of whenever Rand sealed away yeah. the Dark One. Kind of tough. I mean, he he just says the spring. Yeah, he, like he said a couple months, but that again, like he didn't feel confident with that answer, so it could have easily meant you know six months of when yeah. it actually did happen. So I I just I feel think like I heard yeah. that.
1: I think it's purposely ambiguous. Okay, I think Paul's correct to to pick up on or try to make these types of connections. I think so too.
0: I'll take yeah. these
3: next couple of scenes, and then you can finish out the bucket here because like a lot that goes on is just like a mini growth moment for lan because he goes up he confronts moraine like what's going on you're, you're cutting me off the bond's gone I, i'm not in your head anymore she's kind of leaving him out to dry and that's her way of protecting him is what i'm kind of getting the vibes of and he gets madder runs off then he gets the lesson from everybody else at the airbnb kind of talking to him through like what it really is like to have been cut off from the power and Lan could not possibly understand that sort of pain that she's going through and she's actually doing a fantastic job from their perspective of not just being miserable and useless so like this is just like a little moment for him to really just reset and say like okay like I, I've been following her for 20 years. I'm going to continue doing this like I I, he's getting frustrated, but there's a reason for all this frustration and it kind of plays out and they mend it over the course of the last couple scenes. I don't know if there's anything specific you guys want to bring up about their back and forth before he kind of goes up and gives her the dinner and realizes she's gone. But that's all that really was like there was that freak out and you, you kind of took I'm sure took what I took from that.
2: I just like Lance faith in Moraine when they offered, hey, do you want us to wait mm-hmm. for your to finally come down? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, tonight's the night. Like, I can feel it. Like, <laughs> even though, like, they're, like, fighting and they're not themselves at all, he still is, like, hoping and caring for her and, like, believes she'll come out of it, even if he is acting kind of, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Like a baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Harsh towards him. He's really nice. definitely being harsh. Mm-hmm. The take that I have is that I liked when Tomas is, is the man, first of all, mm-hmm. fantastic old guy. Look, top
0: five. I had the challenge because he said this about Tom Marilyn in season one. I had, I had to ask him, who would you rather look like? Tomas. Yeah. Look at this guy. Are you kidding me? Dude, look at his flow.
1: He, he is just if I could look 50% as good as that when I'm that age, I'll fucking he, die happy. He
2: honestly looks like how Geralt is kind of supposed to be portrayed like he's supposed to you supposed to be like an older yeah looking guy yeah he looks pretty good yeah he I think he's a fantastic old guy look With what's that sword better? in the hand too oh um, yeah. he's a fucking witcher this guy's a
1: fucking beast but he says to land like you know maybe you should shut up and listen more and land kind of makes the joke of like i think that's the first time in my life that anyone's ever told me to be quiet that just reminded me of when we we're in uh, Shadow Logos in episode two, when Lan like explains everything and Matt's like, well, first of all, that's <laughs> probably the most words you've ever said ever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just like a fun little thread that's running through. But OK, yeah. So Lan then goes, takes up the dinner. Moraine is gone. She She's running away. That then turns into a battle with the Fades. I thought they did a fantastic job of this. It was dark. Um, that's just like a classic tv complaint when they do things like this it was quite dark but the i thought like the glare. concepts in it were good and like, screeners
3: screener quality is a little bit down okay. compared And to there the was,
0: yeah, like, there's a little glare on your tv yeah things as like well that but... it's not game of thrones level like pitch black yeah. <laughs> like i i could make it out but it was i think again it was the tv glare like it was we watched it middle of the day like the sun is yeah. just beaming in here like if we had watched it like how we normally watch it with all the lights off like at night time like it would have been Find I,
2: I think they did a great job, though, of showing how the fades hide in the shadow. Oh, yeah. So like, good. Yeah, use it and how smart Moraine is in the first place to even you predict. It I don't know what was she coming. was doing when, like, she was dragging her foot on the ground if she was intentionally trying to get it to, like, mm-hmm. come over here and then, like, sneak it. but
3: she, That was so badass when she just turns and knifes him right in the head. Yeah, like, she just jumped. She stabs, sh- like, a shadow
2: is what I see. She stabs mm-hmm. in the darkness and all of a sudden you see the face with blood and everything coming off of it. It's really sick. I mean, I was expecting her to be absolutely useless without her ability to touch the one power, so it's really cool to see her putting up this huge
3: fight when she's basically uh,
2: the husk Mm -hmm. of who she used to be.
3: My favorite part Mm -hmm. about this was the fact that land does come for for that quick little hero moment, but they did not ruin the power, I'm going to say power scaling of this, where like one woman... One warder is going to sit there and take on four fades, which are like kind of like the lieutenants or I would say like sub generals. Like I wouldn't put them at the general level of like maybe the chosen or forsaken, but like they can't be something that one warder can take four of them on. Right. Like he got his ass beat, but he did take out at least two of them that all tracked really well. And especially with the, the second level of the, the hero save coming in with uh the Airbnb host. Um, (laughs) That's my notes now are just literally Airbnb.
1: I just, I love to Take that. me a little bit. To yeah. get used to Baron this. is now an Airbnb host. I have co-host <laughs> the of Airbnb
0: host, the do. host of an Airbnb, and then Thomas side ho- Airbnb guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I just didn't want the fades to be nerfed too much, and yeah. it seemed like they were going to win if it wasn't
1: for that second level of support of reinforcements that show up. I guess it's hard to tell, but like they did kind of nerf them a little bit. They did. A- they did an interesting thing with them because like the ability to move through shadows, I thought is fucking awesome. It looks great. Mm-hmm. They're really hammering it home. Which, in my opinion, I didn't get a ton of that from the book. So much, I feel like it wasn't like as clear and like obvious as it is as the, it is in this scene. But also, I mean, like in the books, it's like a very specific thing. To cut, you have to cut their heads off. Even if you cut their head off, like they're still going to be flailing around and stuff. And they Probably. really only die when the sun comes up. Is technically what it's supposed to be, so or maybe it's getting down. It was crazy about the Trollocs only attacking at night. But <laughs> no, you weren't. But um, but I. I don't know. I guess it's just kind of I don't care that much. You know that it's maybe different. Um I mean that's what landed
2: on the first one. He yeah. comes in straight up, two shots it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, was really cool. I was curious about that because I feel like they did say there's only two fades and like I'm counting like the fight's going on like he knocks out two and I'm like okay, that's it and then like two more appear. I guess yeah. the information was probably a little sticky at first. Like he probably the guy didn't really know how many actually were following him. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um. But yeah, I did notice that too. That land went in for the kill with only head decapitation. Yeah, that's like I
1: I guess like the shorefire way. Although you do get the sound of marine stabs it and you can hear it like screeching and like you can yeah. kind of hear it flopping around. I guess for lack of a better term, on also, the ground. Um, so I think that
2: still tracks. They also when Tom Thomas. When tomas tomas comes in
0: you're not wrong <laughs> yeah i mean you're not
1: wrong but tomas
2: when he comes in with the flaming sword is is the fire another way to extinguish it because or did yeah. he i don't think he beheaded it i think he just stabbed
1: it with the fire i mean in my opinion i i feel like yeah i think you can set them on fire and cut their heads off i want to say i could be borrowing that from some other type of a fantasy monster sense, but
0: like probably yeah. a demon slayer with like the sun being related Fair, to the fire fair. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> But I fire. think that would be fair, too. Like, the yeah. extent, like, if fire is a source of the sun, like, why would it not? And
1: also, kind of... in my opinion, it's not, a like, a crazy change to make. Like, I'm not going to fucking, you know, throw a fit over the fact that, you know, they're not just cutting their heads off. Like, I, it looked fucking sick. Mm-hmm. when yeah, as long Varen... as they look
0: like they got fucked yeah. up, that's a
1: Yeah, Varen fucking puts the fire on the sword. And I don't think, I mean, that never happens in the book. So that's a awesome way, A, to show how to use the power, and also, like, the connection between, you know, Aesodai and Warder. Like, that was sick like so, he obviously like went in there and like it's a thing that they probably done before where she just like lights his sword up and it was fucking badass what happened
3: in game of thrones The Lord of yeah. Light.
1: <laughs> yeah i'm <mean>, literally yeah <laughs> thoros of mir and she's an airbnb host and she's thoros of mir really it, it. it times
3: well that they did this because this is like the first episode where we're really learning more about the different types of strands of the yep. weaves so like fire being one of them that's pretty cool like wrapping that around a sword and yeah, making I it no look amazing about
0: that and like Because it all seemed like here in this season, they've emphasized the colors of the strands, where in season one, it felt like it was all just white. And for what it's worth, I think the strands
3: look better already than they did in season one.
1: Season one, I feel like they didn't tell us enough about the power itself. It was like, I think it it was very just kind of nebulous and like vague and like, what the fuck is actually going on? Paul had asked a lot lot of questions about it, and I knew it would eventually get to a point where we would talk more about it. So I'm glad that they kind of, like you just said, hit the ground running with it in Mm -hmm. episode one. Did it Um, early
2: on. They did the fake out with Marine and I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. I
1: literally, when I first back. watched and um, this is bad, I guess, because I now have like this predisposition of like, oh, they're fucking it up. Or I was like,
0: no fucking way. She's no. about to channel. right yeah. <laughs> was the Same way. I totally fell for that fake out. I was like, eh, this yeah. Is ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is kind of kicking it. yeah. I was like, please don't
1: do this right now. <laughs> I would have cried. Yeah. I was like, uh, I think they deserve it, though. I feel like until they show us more evidence that like, they're making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that feels overly harsh. I don't like being harsh, but I just—I mean—that's kind of the mindset I'm rolling with. Where like I'm totally falling for everything. Where I'm going to be like, "Oh my god, they fucked it up!" Until like you know they actually <laughs> told me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How about um, uh,
2: Land's last line? He looks at her as they're both like bleeding out, and he says, "What aren't you telling me?" Yeah. So obviously she's got been trying to do something this whole time. Maybe the poem really is the catalyst that made her. Make the move in the first place to try to escape, but something is going on, and uh I want to know too.
1: <laughs> you, fucker, you watch the next like two episodes, you know. <laughs> I mean, I want to know
0: what she's uh, what she's not telling him to One last thing, I will emphasize about the fighting in the shadows, uh, the fades disappearing in the shadows, like teleporting, kind of is like they really emphasize. There's one shot I vividly remember of like the moon was just so bright, but because the moon was so bright, it created more opportunities for like obvious like shadows and like the abilities for them to appear behind them so i just i thought the visual effects for this scene helped me understand that okay they're teleporting like using the shadows basically yeah
1: I the sound i feel like that they have everything about the phage the music the sound of it is great like i loved that it. it was like trying to chomp yeah land too like the sound of it sounds good like yeah. them coming out of the shadows sounds really cool like the shot of it like with the moon behind it about to kill Moraine, like, that was a sick shot Like, it just it just looks good. Also, land-wielding swords was pretty cool. They like, yeah, definitely, well, no one ever a, picks yeah, up a fucking a fade.
0: <laughs> like, is that going to be a thing going forward? I need That's two pretty swords, badass. Yeah, I need two swords in his hand at yeah. all times.
1: Blades of Fades is, like, an important thing. And, like, we'll learn more about, like, the lore behind them and what they are. They're really, like, heavily poisoned. But also, I mean, it's literally, like, if you get cut
0: with it in an ice and I said, I's not around, you're fucked, but obviously. I that in season one. Okay, cool. Moraine, Moraine does take a knife and that that battle at four rivers i'm pretty sure and like four rivers is that what it's called you just added two more rivers
2: that <laughs> <rivers? laughs> <So> yeah. so <laughs> was like, like last night in,
1: maybe. when we fucking played uh the movie actor game and i forget it was like maybe mark Wahlberg, and your dad was like four brothers and we were like four fucking brothers. I mean, there's so many
0: mark Wahlberg movies out there and you hit us with four fucking brothers <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what i'm confusing with yeah, i got four brothers still in my head now two rivers but yeah they did emphasize because i mean like her but okay they, yeah they did, did Gough, like they had to go all there because she was so yeah. incapacitated from taking that knife from and land's dad as well tan
1: althor he gets cut and he's all fucked up lands right. dad oh my god you're so right <laughs> rand's dad <Tan laughs> yeah Roose bolton all right so moving into our final storyline This is the White Tower storyline. You can just talk about everything before the kitchen scene. So we get kind of a Gwen traveling through the tower. I thought this was a great reintroduction to her as a character, the White Tower as a setting and everything. It's kind of her just like, you know, moving through the different rooms of the tower. She starts in the Amaralyn's room. Actually, um, we get to see Leanne Sedai again, who is the keeper. It's kind of Amarlin's right hand woman. Paul was, or Dave was very close at throwing a random guess out of what her name was. So I appreciate that. Paul, on the other hand, <laughs> no had guess. no idea. You don't like you know, that so fun, do you? You We'll deal fun. with that later on, I guess. Um, and we get to we see Alana again, and she's, you know, a little. We'll tussle with the warders in bed. You know, I know Paul liked that part. Uh, we get to see, you know, warders training. And then Egwene heads down to the kitchens with all the dishes that she has. So I guess just like thoughts on like this reintroduction to Egwene's character, this kind of the start of season two. I just feel
2: like the White Castle. White Castle? No, White Town. <laughs> I did that last
1: time. <laughs> the, White I did that. the White Castle's <laughs> in the Four Rivers on the other side yeah. of the
3: <laughs>
0: We're in a different universe, <laughs> me and Paul. I did that season one. I called it The White guy. We're watching Time Wheel. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's just another spin of the wheel. It's a, yeah. Yeah.
2: The White Tower definitely feels like more of a place now. Yeah, like, it feels alive. Know, we got a lot of it in season one, but it feels like we didn't see like the outside. Oh, I mean, we got a few shots here and there, but the actual shots of a wing going through it, I think what you were saying, Kyle, was really good. It really does feel more of a physical special place
3: and the the mistress of novice scene was really cool too like the garden outdoor scene in inside the white tower looked amazing just aesthetically this is it looks like high fantasy
0: and we're we're doing it big and amazon's killing it with these shots like maybe it's just me being fresh off this witcher watch through but like i'm just thinking like Aratuza, and then like (laughs) we got like our siri character with ran like it's i mean it is this style of story like it's what it's supposed to but i just like i'm seeing the white tower i'm like oh we're at r like <laughs> same thing you know yeah. i mean all these kind of stories like you said they have classic beats like this yeah mm-hmm. so, but it was really beautiful like you said like i think even you said we're kind of like marveling like you said wow like openly like when we get that shot like over the river of them like yeah being, like a hundred stories up whatever it is like it was really awesome to see i wouldn't survive here if i had to. oh yeah wow uh, heights in places Kyle. but uh but yeah it looked great just
1: a very I don't even say what to say. Very important. It's just there's a detail when so when um Egwene walks like around and watching like the warders train, there's three girls that are also in white on the railing watching. And you notice that or rather I noticed because I'm the man that their cuffs are are like rainbows. And then obviously Egwene and Nynaeve just have white cuffs they'll talk more about that but essentially they kind of you know they're novices at this point it's just like another little world building thing of like there's levels to Mm
0: -hmm. the training so like they're on the lowest rung of the training that's why they're I hear rainbow and I'm just thinking they're probably right at the point of being like I they're about to
1: choose their color pretty much it's pretty much like so that's why you know Egwene and Nynaeve and all other people are like doing the dishes and like while those Mm -hmm. girls are just like kind of hanging out watching the warders train Mm -hmm. just
0: kind of showing the levels of the the going through all that but it would be so worth it in the end I would do any. They wanted me to do. To I have mean, have dude, sometimes it's like it's years. Like, I
1: think just like it's like a thing from it's the books. Like, it's... some, I mean, some people are like you know, novices for like 10 years, and then you're the next level is accepted, and you're okay. accepted for five years. And then, yeah, I don't know if I could be a novice for 10 years,
0: but I, I could do it for like a couple but of years. They also they
1: live way longer. They live, yeah, them. you live way longer when you like can are an Aes Sedai and they can like touch the power. It extends your lifespan. Yeah, that's the word like span. It feels
2: like all the training Aes Sedai are like watching the warders, like almost like. Which one's going to be mine? Like watching them train. They're kind of like growing together, training together. Look at you, Paul. Look at you,
3: bro. And this pretty much sums up the whole dynamic between Nynaeve, Egwene, and the White Tower in general. But you find out super early they're going to continue with the trend of season one where... Nynaeve pretty much is bitches about everything. And Egwene is just awesome. completely in it for the experience and the ride. And she wants to lean into all this. So it's just like completely opposite ways of looking at the White Tower and all this training. And they, they reemphasize that three, four times throughout this episode,
0: but they reestablish that like ASAP. And her beef is that she, her her mom, what was it? Her mom got like rejected by them or something. The wisdom that kind of raised her. Oh, it was rejected. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because her, her parents were killed someone like brought her essentially, I guess you could say quote unquote adopted her, brought her to the two rivers. And like that woman got rejected. I don't know about the two rivers, but four rivers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I guess they were on their way to the four rivers. They just stopped at the oh, first okay, two it and the first then first, made a yeah, home. Yeah, and we're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, these, these two rivers ain't bad. I'll take it. Okay. Who needs four, right? <laughs> you <Yeah>, have two. So <laughs> this, this kitchen scene is, you know, Gwen goes to the kitchen. Like Luke said, a big point of this, the beginning of this scene is, you know, you know Nynaeve's reluctance to, I guess, in her opinion, was waste time because she's like, dude, they literally told us the last battle's coming and like we have all these roles to play and like we literally have done nothing but do fucking dishes for six months. Like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alana shows up and then we have a very great scene, which is just kind of a lesson. Which is our first lesson that we've seen in a while on how to use the one power. So I think this answers a lot of questions that especially Paul, we talked about in season one. Um, so I guess just like all your thoughts on this kind of training scene.
2: Um, loved it from a viewer's perspective gave us the five different threads air earth fire spirit water i believe mm-hmm. yep um so that's cool like you can pull on one or pull on multiple different combinations it's you know just a, a good solid magic
3: system mm-hmm. and the coloring of it was sick i just didn't expect to see like the earth one looking green mixing it with it, that all of that's good and i'm, I'm happy they're gonna kind of lean into the more the visual aspect of it but also keep in mind anybody that doesn't have the power is seeing nothing right so it's just like i'm going like you know like just dancing and stuff so yeah
1: yeah literally and it was funny like listening to interviews of people asking what's your mindset as an actor because obviously all that gets added in at the end
0: so like they're just kind of dancing
1: and doing (laughs) it like
0: when uh (laughs) jaw red lady Leandrin. Leandrin, man. Um, like when she's like, what you were talking about. <laughs> when she is forcing like naive against the wall, I'm just thinking, like, if the F like the visual effects weren't there, she's just like Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they said it like you just got to fucking go 100%. You got to just uh, visualize it. Otherwise, you just feel like an idiot. Yeah. Because if you don't go
1: 100%, like it's going to look bad. So, like, you literally just need to, you know, gung ho and throw yourself into it. I feel like
2: in animes or in fantasy in general, there's like a first initial lesson for the magic users to do. It's always really cool, depending. It's, and this is a really good, like, first one. I feel like it's a very basic step of just like, calling onto different threads and weaving them. You know, the fact that you can't leave unless you drink your water. That was just, you know, a cool ultimatum. And <laughs> need says, fuck your magic. I want to drink this myself and then go fucking shit my brains out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Pissing out her bottle after that. For sure. <laughs> so in season one, episode one, we had the conversation of is Moraine when she's channeling, is she like pulling the fire itself, is that like the source of the power or what is it? And I feel like they did a good job kind of explaining it here where like she says threads of earth from the stones of the tower, threads of water from the air or the water around you. So they are kind of pulling on those types of elements around that like life energy. Yeah, it's just good. Honestly, like when I was trying to explain the power to people who had not read the books, it honestly is kind of like to me, it feels like like tripping on mushrooms a little bit. Where it's like you have to have that like that connection and like feeling it like that and like the ecstasy of how it feels for you. This might just end up being like a like a teaching method where it's like you know visualize the stones and like the earth. Poor
2: Gwaine, man, she's trying her hardest. She's trying to be the best student possible. Like even she's saying, even the Ammerlin did this. Like we're just paying our dues, trying to cast without using her hands, trying to touch the one power without using her hands because she's like, I'm not here to do easy mode. I'm here to do hard mode. And then constantly gets dunked on because she's <laughs> next to Naive. Or Naive, which she was just like, oh, what, what did she say? She they said, said they Egwene.
3: Said Egwene is stronger than most, but Naive is ten times the power of yeah, her. She's yeah, just, like, what the fuck? And Egwene has a little look
2: on her face like, motherfucker. Yeah, she was like <laughs> smirking because she was like, uh, Egwene's strong. Stronger than most. And she's like, oh, yeah, cool. And they, But she's not even fucking close to touching <laughs> you. And it's just like, this chick doesn't even I care.
3: He hasn't verbally complained yet though that's, it's just yeah, all
0: body language i'm just now thinking like, i go wonder if that's going to cause a rift in their relationship at all because like Egwene obviously wants to give it her all in training like imagine if nynaeve had Egwene's want to like be there like yeah nynaeve would be done this shit in no time
1: that nynaeve hasn't embraced the source yet yes really? very important point is that she has not channeled once since they got to the tower so that's like a thing. Um, and that's that's the whole sitters with the Mistress of Novice meeting, right, that we're going into right now? Yeah. Just like a fun book thing, I think, is that um like when Alana's saying like close your eyes and picture a flower and like it's like a whatever, it's it's red and all that shit, that, that is how they teach them to channel in the books. And then that's how Egwene does it. So like in like throughout the in the early books when Egwene is still kind of new to channeling and she always is like thinking of the rosebud and mm-hmm. like the rose petal and things like that. Yeah. Um, Let me take a little bit of this next yeah. scene.
3: So this is exactly what I just mentioned. Like the mistress of novice is a very important title in the tower. They're they're responsible for all these newbies coming into the tower and they're they're supposed to overlook them. They even punish them, they they scold them all the time, but it's all in the hope of just training them to become apprentice. It's to weed out who won't become an apprentice. Um so that's why she's like asking for all this feedback from some of the sitters. We see Leandrin there. And some things that I took away from this uh, conversation are. I think it was that specifically says like, or maybe it was the mistress of Novice. One of them says the amount of novices that the White Tower is receiving every year is going down. And the ones that are coming in are significantly weaker than most. And this connects back to the end of season one, where the father of lies is like at the eye of the world says, like last time you tried this, you came with 99 of your other eyes had died. You guys were way stronger. You knew what you were doing. So basically right now, like the state of, magic on the good side is like the poorest it's ever been everybody's weak it's rarer so even the strong eyes Sedai now would have been like the average eyes Sedai back in like the golden age so like it's just a weird weak state that the world's in that's unfortunate timing with the dark one getting stronger and stronger
0: and that's why Nynaeve is so important to them because she's the first one that's like holy shit we actually have a I guess a chance against the dark one because that's exactly no what Leandrin
3: points. said. She wants yeah. to use Nynaeve as a weapon because she's the strongest thing that's been to the tower in whatever a thousand years. And other thing I'll say, just and then you guys can talk about whatever is they do quickly mention just like a little sidebar that another false dragon stronger than mm-hmm. Logain has popped up in another country that we haven't been introduced to yet called Caldea. Yeah. Background mm-hmm. world building because that's how Logain got introduced to. If you were, he was subtly mentioned, I think in like episode two about the about him gaining some support. So I like how they do that. There is stuff going on in the background and they're making sure that if you're paying attention you're we are informed because I'm sure that dragon at some point is going to make an appearance
0: or whatever that false dragon so keep that in the back of your head. Inject wonder- that storyline into my vein. This <laughs> That's very right. second because Logan was great and I'm just a, Kyle knows this very well. I just love strong characters and so you're telling me that this guy's going to be stronger than Lugane, who was able to take on, like, four Aes Sediah Ones, basically, right now, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if this
2: is going to be at the end of season one. We see those ships and all those people. This, it was a weird way of using it. They were almost casting through people. I wonder if this are the same people or just a different faction. But anyway, still looking forward to it.
3: Should we clarify where this country is versus where those ships that he's talking about were? Is that even, um, is that even important?
0: Now, we might as well. I just, know they're different.
1: G- G- I you mean, geographically, they're really they're close to each other. They're on the same. So the, the weird thing about the continent is that there's only a west and a south coast. Like Everything else is just extends and you don't okay. see any. It's just like it's like mountains yeah. and, and desert. Yeah, it's like just, mountains on the north is like where the dark one lives and all that kind of shit is going on. It's just like a mountain range where the blight is essentially. That's the top of the continent. Mm-hmm. And then the east of the continent is just like a huge mountain range and then like a desert. So there's only a west and a south coast. And Saldea is on like the northwestmost coast. And then this sh- where those ships were coming in was like kind of like mid west coast. So they're on the same coast. Yeah. It's close to right. each other on the same coast. And then Tarvalon, as they say in the show, I was funny listening back to our podcast of me like going back and forth between like the one I in the audiobook and the one in the show. I'm trying Tarvalon is like northeast. One quick thing that
2: I uh, just remembered about those people on the ships at the end. They, like I said, they look like they are channeling through people. We got Egwene and Nynaeve being, when they were taking their lesson, they said that, you know, the, at the battle, at the end of season one, she, I forget her name, please forgive me, the princess that used the magic used Egwene and Nynaeve. So she grew yeah. on their power. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what, you know, the people on the ships are doing that attacked at the end They're. Literally, it's like a
3: form of linking?
2: Yeah, just like almost capt- capturing people and then using their power because it just you know, makes them stronger.
1: Yeah, I think you're doing a great job of thinking about kind of the mechanics of the world and how they can be applied in other situations. Mm-hmm. So uh that makes up for not remembering Liana Sedai's name.
2: <laughs> so there you go.
1: You're off the shit list. Although White Castle is kind uh, like, of that's on. that's close. <laughs> Classic. Yeah,
0: that's going to be a staple for the pod going
1: forward. Now, <laughs> um, so just like other little bits of tidbits that we get, um, we get that the hunt for the horn has been announced in Ilian. So Ilian is where Bale Doman was from. So we're kind of building up that place a little bit. We're learning more about it. We know that the horn is like Perrin and loyal are on like the actual hunt for the horn because we know it's a real thing and we're actually chasing it. Um, but the hunt for the horn that they're announcing is more of like a, like a ceremonial thing almost. They do it like every so often. It's technically every like hundreds of years. Leandra's using that as like shit's fucking changing in the world right now. Like, you know, crazy stuff's happening. Cause I'm sure like the last hunt was announced like 400 years ago. That will be a thing that's going on in the background kind of throughout most, I would say this season, maybe next like few seasons of like, we'll meet hunters like out in the world, you know, things like that. So like, that's good that they dropped that this early. Um, We also learned that there's Trolloc raids near Arafel, they say. Arafel is just like a similar, like it's a borderland nation in the north, kind of like Shinar, same type of deal. Trollocs are now raiding more. So it's just like, it's all of these things that are contributing to Leandrin having this feeling that like something's fucking going down. I mean, now the dragon's been reborn. They don't know that yet, but the wheel is spitting things out in this like nature where it's like, okay, we're building up to some like, you know, insane kind of point in history that we're at. We also get a little interesting background on in Leandrin that she has, I guess, was. Killed a novice, for lack of a better way to say it, uh in training, so she's permanently banned from training novices, which I think is some really funny world building. Maybe not funny; it's kind of sad, but it's just like adds to her mystique. What was just, her comment back? Yeah, she was like, "Ah, oh, the one touching the one powerful is dangerous, dude. It's just like you're
2: taking the risk." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally <laughs> no, funny, no blame
1: or fault whatsoever. She's funny, <laughs> and, dude. Kate Fleetwood, the actress, is amazing. She's so good at it. I fucking
2: love it.
3: Mm-hmm. And she's the star of this next too so yeah
2: yeah well yeah we get Nynaeve training
1: with the swords for a second yeah which is an interesting little wrinkle they've added I'm kind of I mean I'm not against she, her having this connection with the warders and, and it's nice that they had that conversation with her it's just Ooh. like an interesting change they've made that Ooh. she's like Legit besties with these guys. She was bonding with them in season one. Yeah,
2: you got like mm-hmm. campsites and all the fires and stuff like mm-hmm. that. She like chose the warders over like all the Aes Sedai and stuff
0: like so that. So like, I'm like, is she <laughs> again just compared to the Witcher? It's like serious. Like, is she gonna be a Witcher? Is she gonna be you know a mage? Like, I mean, <laughs> obviously she's gonna be the strongest mage probably that we've seen besides Rand. I'm guessing, but so I'm obviously inclined to go that way. But I definitely thought it was interesting that we're getting all these perspectives of her. Not only just in this scene, but in like the past season of her connecting with Warders, so it's just something that I caught. I like, like that
3: they put her in his place too when she doesn't say Alana to die. Yeah, because yeah. I mean they also
0: praise her though. They do say like you're not bad with a sword. So like I think she's just going to be eventually when she matures out of all this like hate for the Ice to die and everything. I think she's just going to be an all around badass of just made magic and sword wielding. She's going to have a. Fire sword, she's just gonna roll around I with. So I, that would I'll, be the best way. Anyone to getting fire swords? More fire <laughs> swords, please. <laughs> but yeah, like that's
1: a good call. Then Nynaeve is clearly confrontational to them. That's a thing in the books, is that like I believe his name's Maxim or Maskim. Like he said corrects her and says, like, it's a honest to die to you. Like, that's a big thing in the books, is that uh Nynaeve always forgets, quote unquote forgets to kind of give them the honorifics all of the time. So it's nice that they've kind of have continued that little bit in the show. All right. So we get a really funny scene after this, which is Egwene and Alana. Uh, I am just a huge fan of Alana's actress and like what they're doing with the character. And this was just like a really funny scene where she kind of misinterprets Egwene. This got a really big laugh out of me the first time I watched it. Um, so just kind of, I guess, curious thoughts on this. Just horny motherfucker over there.
2: <laughs> She's like, release yourself to it. Don't get overwhelmed. I was obviously say, talking about the one. Part.
3: I don't think I loved it because I I expect it different out of Alana in terms of like being a mentor and stuff like that. So. I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see more of how she is this. the Are they going to lean into this lane like more often of her just not airheaded, but like whimsical and just like less serious of a character? Because I kind of wanted a little bit more with that scene because Egwene was like, all right, I'm out like you're not helping me. She does drop a little bit of advice, but. That's yeah. that's that, pretty. I'm just pausing right now my thoughts until I see more.
2: That advice was awesome, though. She was like, "Oh, you were. You're not talking about sex. You're talking about touching the one power." Mm-hmm. Oh, it's probably because you're focusing on the individual like grains instead of like it as a mass. Yeah, and touching earth and water at the same time.
1: So I don't know. It's just it's really cool explanations of it. Yeah, and I like the quote of Egwene. Remember, things are messy before they're perfect. Nothing worthwhile is neat and tidy. Because Alana does say. In that meeting that they had in like the kind of the garden, that Egwene just really needs to loosen the fuck up. Um, she's just like trying so hard to be good and perfect and everything. It's nice I think that they're establishing that little bit of like a like a mentee mentorship relationship. You know, the feel that she feels like she can go to Alana with these kinds of questions, even if Alana might not understand the question at first and give her an answer she's not actually looking for. Okay, so we then get Nynaeve training alone in the kitchen. This is I feel like it's just like a classic thing where like you know she actually wants to be good but doesn't know how to like show and like you know try hard and get that fear of failure type of deal like in front of other people so she does it on her own Leandrin comes in and gives her uh quite a unique lesson in the one power and channeling
3: this scene was amazing i thought this was incredible this was almost the best physical showing of the power um but yeah like Leandrin, just the way she whips out the full metal alchemist like freaking blade arm was so cool out of air that was amazing and then just like knowing how to get under Nynaeve's skin and trigger her it, it just it probably instilled more Nynaeve right there than like all of her other lessons combined and it's going to go a long way so we're definitely going to be seeing more how she how she learned and grows from this moment but what do you guys think did you like how Leandrin went about this yeah
2: I mean they kind of referenced it last season Moraine said that she couldn't really use the one power until her Aes that was training her came in and beat the shit out of her with the one power until yeah. she like could defend back. And even the warders, they didn't—they're not touching the one power, but like they were like, "Hey, your first week, you get beat the shit out of you into the end mm-hmm. of your life." Just kind of seems to be hazing, like, baby. Yeah, hazing. But um no, I mean, I guess it is like the easiest way to trigger, almost like break, if you're talking about like um Missborn. I something was just like gonna that.
1: say, sounds like this guy's about to make a Missborn <laughs> reverence yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Um. So, and it did get a response out of her. Like Nynaeve fucking just screamed, and that was the first time she touched the one power, I guess, since the whole shit went down. So, it was uh maybe not the quickest means, but got some results.
0: Give a little bit more credit to Leandrin here. I still think she's kind of a little bit of a bitch. Don't get me wrong, but she was so badass. I mean, like Nynaeve counters obviously, and like shoots the wind back at Leandrin, but like Leandrin so calmly, just like. After she's like, "Oh, you finally! There you go, you did it!" Like she calmly just brushes it off, lands so elegantly, and just this says, this woman, it, yeah, she she said, she's got to be the second strongest Aes Sedai we've seen behind Marines. So she far. said, "You saw that weave once, and you were able to copy it." I'm like, "Yo, that's, that's hot.
3: huge, too. Man. That ability to do that is like very important."
2: Basically, like the shotting gun, shotting gun. Yeah. I almost said <laughs> a single. Um, but uh, she also naive triggered when. Leandrin was going off about Warders and saying they're glorified dogs, like even your precious land, and that's what really triggered Nynaeve. So yeah, don't forget about that romance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, is there ever a chance for land to be Nynaeve's warder? They kind of talked about it a little bit. We've talked about this. I feel like in season one, but I don't remember how the conversation went. But like now that it's Moraine, like, possible, but I mean, especially now with Moraine. I mean, I fully believe that Moraine is going to get her powers back somehow. This has definitely opened up way more of a possibility of. Land moving to Nynaeve, who actually you know has powers. That's all I'm thinking. Really,
1: put a pin in it. We'll see. It's on yeah, the board now.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: I mean, I would say within like I don't even want to say the laws of physics, but like the laws of the world, how things work. Technically, it's possible. Okay, I guess would be an answer for that. I literally have an all caps Kate Fleetwood as a queen um, in my notes <laughs> because she was just so good in this scene as well. And a very similar scene to this does happen in the books. It's actually it's the Amarlin seat that happens with. Instead of Leandrin, which is even more like, whoa, with the book. Like uh, afterwards, they're like, okay, we're never going to talk about this. <laughs> isn't, he,
0: isn't she uh, like I choking he her out? That. Yeah,
1: and that like, like fucking like... her up, basically. And they're like, okay, we're n- never going to talk about this again. <laughs> I
0: don't that. I feel like that would have, I mean, sure, here, I, like I said, Leandrin's badassery kind of comes out a little bit here, yeah. but like, it would have been like an honor almost to have the omelette seed coming to you and being yeah. like, let's get your shit going, you know? Like, yeah, yeah they're, they're on, going. they're
1: basically they're on like a boat. They're coming, they're going from Faldara, where they obviously ended season one, book one, and then the Amorlin comes and talks to Gawain and Nynaeve, and they're there together, and, like, it happens, and they're like, okay, let's never talk about this yeah. again, <laughs> type of deal. And they, that's also the scene where the Amorlin's, like, you fucking, because you're supposed to call the Amorlin mother, mm. and, like, Nynaeve, you know, like I said, quote-unquote, forgets a lot, so then they're all pissed off at each other, and then it just, like, is the outburst, and it's like, okay, I just fucked up the Amorlin seed. <laughs> all right. So after this kind of emotional thing for Nynaeve, we then get a conversation between Nynaeve and Egwene. They got Perrin's letter that he sent them. And uh, so then they're talking about home, their friends, because it is bell time as, uh, as Egwene informs us, which also lets us know that it's been pretty much it's a year since uh, season one, episode one. So I think that was a nice little timeline drop
0: for us. No thoughts about the letter. Interesting. OK, yeah, Dave, um, <laughs> this is this <laughs> when Dave goes this the to bathroom bed. scene. Yeah. Man, this is- <laughs> Time to hit up the restroom real quick. I mean, uh,
2: just reemphasizing that they think Rand is dead. Yeah, and that was- they're missing him. And well, we did get a little sneak peek of uh, somebody with a shaved head. Um, it was cool to see him. No lines, just a little, just a little peek.
1: Hopefully he gets to shine a little bit in episode two. His voice actor is going to be different. There's no lines. That would be crazy. Can you imagine? And yeah, I think an important thing too here is like Nynaeve kind of telling Egwene, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'll always be here. Because I feel like, you know, obviously like Luke said earlier, like Nynaeve is clearly being like, I fucking hate this shit. Like I don't want to be here type of deal. So I think it's nice that they have this kind of like reconnection. At this point, because like we've also said Egwene could easily you know be getting jealous of her. So you know, they really only have each other, so they shouldn't be fighting like this. And it's nice they're kind of reconciling like this. It's How just about,
3: like it's just like a good full circle moment for the Emmond Fields 5. Everybody gets their second to shine, and I guess we'll talk more about Matt in a second, but like, yeah, like we saw the Egwene and Nynaeve bonding. We get to see Rand also doing this ceremony by himself, which is supposed to be like the reveal that he's alive, which obviously. Yeah. Um And then Perrin himself has the, again, internal struggle of trying to let go of his wife. He almost puts his the wedding ring. ring down on on the the boat, but then last second pulls it back. So it means that he's still he's still living in his head and he's still dealing with all this, which is going to make for an interesting revelation. Like if he does come into some confrontation with Fain sooner rather than later, because he's still going to be split all over the place, not knowing what to do. That's why I'm hoping like maybe he has some more conversations with Elias soon and like starts to figure things out. But then yeah, if you should we go right into the Matt stuff because we haven't even because yeah. that's also all connected to the letter cuz Leandrin again yeah, sure. just goes that he you can see that he's in the white tower cuz Leandrin's reading him the letter but she purposely leaves off any mention of Matt himself from Perrin which I guess is her way of just fucking with him like she yeah. is just doing all this crazy, you know, string pulling whatever it is but like trying to break Matt down even further and you can tell cuz he says some important things here. He says, I haven't touched a dagger in six months. I'm basically just like in fetal position, sitting here crying all the time. Like he is just depressed and he's destroyed by his interactions with that dagger. Um, and then he's, it seems like he's locked in the cell. And then we see, he's. Be- I don't know. Did you guys take that as like a, like a, did he want to just like, does he have his way of seeing outsiders is that a Shawshank redemption thing where he's like building his what he's trying to get his way out. Like, which, how do we take that?
2: Uh, I kind of. Didn't know, I took it as two different ways. One, yes, he's he's looking and seeing if he can possibly escape or right. something like that. Or two, he is hiding something else. Like he did, he was able to smuggle something in and he is keeping it there and hiding it behind that brick or whatever, so the Leandrin or any ISO can't find it.
0: I don't know what it would be if it was, was a, a dagger, regular old dagger. It's probably what? just a regular old butter knife. It's like, I just need the sensation of the knife in my hands. So <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting just, take. Yeah, no. Don't hate it. No, I agree with Paul completely. I think it was, I, I really didn't know how to take it. I kind of took it as, you know, a means of escape or like, you know, he is hiding something else. Yeah. I mean, obviously we know the daggers with patent fame, but like it would be wild of a twist if he somehow still did have it. But
3: that. Would legitimately solve almost all of my gripes related around the dagger. If the dagger that Pot and Fane had at the end of season one wasn't the real one, yeah, that answers the loyal thing, and then it also adds on to Matt being like sketchy and choosing not to go through the ways. So that would actually be the best answer for me. I am a hundred percent confident it's not the answer. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, ninety nine percent, I guess, I, yes, but because yeah. I feel like Potenfain's too not gullible he enough. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, 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 he would know. I feel like. Um. yeah but that would solve a lot for me (laughs) that was true
0: so okay i'm just thinking of the quote from season one where they're like one of you is the dragon reborn some of you might turn to the dark side you know so like obviously candidate number one right now is matt because of how shitty he looks right now and like leandrin is like just feeding into this i know she like is not the most fond of men in general she could potentially be creating an evil person you know just by keeping him captive here i like i don't know if if this is all because of its withdrawal, like, does he still actually have withdrawal for the knife? Like, is she actually, maybe it's a year of like, like this shit that he has to go through before he's actually gone with the knife. I don't know, but like, I just feel like she is feeding into the, the badness that is going through Matt right now. I mean, she, she literally has him in, like, solitary confinement. Yeah, and, like, the so, fact huh. that she, like, didn't mention him in the notes, like, that's just completely, in my mind, I don't know, again, what her goal is, but, like, it's just someone watching. I'm just, like, she is just purposely fucking with him. Like, she that's just, just there's nothing. Men, yeah, she right. hates men to the point that she's about to create, potentially, like, a new dark friend, like, under their own, like, house. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I don't know. We'll see.
2: Really quick comment. If anybody out there has ever played the game Claw, Goes for the PC Windows way back in the day. You open up, you're in a prison room like this, and he goes behind a brick and sees like a note that was left by the prisoner before him. Really cool. I'm Did just you spoil related. the game. Um, no, that's the opening scene. Oh, okay, but you're um, saying it could. It, it's it reminded me completely of that. Maybe there was like somebody else in there before him, and
0: maybe he's gonna find something left over hidden. Coincidentally, the person in that room before him also had touched the exact the dagger dagger. That I've, <laughs> <touched>. <laughs> the dagger I've been stuck here for 500 <laughs> years after touching this dagger
1: <laughs> yeah it's interesting if if it is true that he hasn't touched the dagger in six months just it's a storyline in the books essentially that like because he has doesn't have it on him like he gets like really really sick it's kind of like a, it's honestly like a D plot oh, maybe like a B plot in the second book is that like Matt hasn't touched like he doesn't have the dagger and it's yeah. still kind of impacting him. So he's getting like sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker, kind of. But so I really wonder. Dead. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they're going to play on that at all um, throughout he, this season. He, oh.
3: It didn't even like look that bad of a transition between the actors, though. I was just going
1: to say, I mean, I was, we didn't yeah. even talk about it. So I was like, feeling good that we all kind of agreed that the transition was perfect.
0: It was fine. Mike, yeah. My comment was going to be he is so fucking sick from not touching the dagger that his whole face <laughs> is just he's lost some ways. But no, honestly, yeah. When we see him just kind of like moping there, I'm like, that looks like yeah. Matt from season one. We my closer. dad wouldn't even
3: notice. <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> probably
0: not. But he, he looked good, and I'm excited to see uh, the potential for this character going forward. Do you have a take on the new actor, Matt? I mean, Paul? The actor, Matt. <laughs> Matt. Actor, Matt,
2: Paul? Uh, no, pretty much exactly what Dave joked about i was gonna
1: say so, uh, you
0: were, so, so picture, you're so you're
1: a little pouty that's
0: why uh, i anything. got it uh, now i'm
2: kind <laughs> of <got a> pouty <laughs> over there I think
1: of a
0: new joke <laughs> yeah.
2: and in here with my dig in the hand and uh, Kyle
1: points it out too you know. <laughs> uh, that's what i'm here for baby okay um fucking take her home that's i was gonna say that's all the episode content there is like a crazy montage at the end that's like uh, it's kind of like a trailer but in my opinion it felt like yeah, i don't know if i want to let them watch this it's gonna get yeah. better just to watch the season itself you know, as a fellow BingeTown member, B-Toms likes to say that uh, trailers fucking suck and they ruin things. So mm-hmm. I think at some level it would have ruined something. So we ain't going to talk about it. But if you watched it, I hope you enjoyed it.
3: We've done this for a couple of our shows that we covered in the past. We did it for Yellow Jackets. We did it for House of the Dragon. Uh, probably a few more. But what we like to do, especially for fantasy shows like this where there's a lot going on, we're going to go around uh, roundtable and everybody's going to nominate their MVP and then their LVP for the episode. I'll start just because I'm just like introing it right now, and I Thank also God. don't. We don't repeat either, so if your answer gets taken on mm-hmm. the fly, and that's also go. why I want to go first. Yeah. <laughs> Let Let <you> go. go. <laughs> My MVP is actually going to be Leanne. Fuck. <laughs> you no. Know, we've all been talking about it throughout this episode in a way. I I knew that I was gonna. I needed to steal that first, but she was amazing. Like she's just great. She's a great presence in the White Tower as just like an antagonistic. Aes Sedai um, and every scene she's in she she's always got to have some you know cheeky lines or cheeky motivations whatever she's doing and I can't get over how cool the air blade was. Yeah. Like, that was just so incredible and her interactions with Nynaeve it all fits perfectly with her character and I'm really excited for that dynamic going forward. So that was the easy MVP and my LVP kind of let it slip in just how I was talking about it earlier. There wasn't really a clear option for me so I'm just going to pick Alana just because of me wanting more from that scene with Egwene and her through the mentorship. But I'm sure as that grows on me and it and it continues, I'll be able to look back in hindsight and say that was like a seed plotter for how their relationship was going to go. And I'll like it more. But right now, just in my head, I didn't really want Alana to be, I wanted her to to show a little bit more, not professionalism, but like me, give meaningful advice right off the bat. So like, well, as that goes on, I'm sure my opinion will change on that. But right now, MVP Leonjan, LVP Alana. Paul,
2: you can go next. Yeah, thanks. I'm just (laughs) just sitting here thinking one now. All right. Obviously, I was gonna say Liana. She's got a lot of fingers going.
3: Liana is who you forgot. Okay. Leandre. Leandre. Oh wow.
2: I don't even get to say that anymore. I guess I got her name. You're beat. She's got her fingers in a lot of different pots. Is what I was gonna say. But if I gotta get a new MVP, I'm gonna go with. Actual trio, and it's going to be the M- uh, Airbnb hostess.
0: You bastard, you fucking under.
2: Because not only are they guarding and shielding Moraine and land, but they also save their asses at the end. Fire sword. And show their power, which was really cool. Yep.
1: So, right now, Varen is one for one she's been in one episode and she is an mvp in right. someone's eyes so that's a good start for veron the lvp
2: is going to be master Doman from just getting swindled <laughs> Fair. fucking moraine Fair. like he's a, he's a cool guy and everything but he got absolutely swindled by the oldest trick in the book
1: that's so. a fan favorite character right there so that's uh oh he's got
2: some creating a, up lot, to do. Yeah. Creating a
0: lot of enemies right now yeah, oh, seriously, oh, yeah. Seriously. Hey, seriously i'm
2: excited for him to, I mean, he's only at the bottom now. He yeah, that's a, go point. Point. <laughs>
0: that's a good point. Dave, would you like to go next? No, I'm, I'm stuck on my MVP after Paul took my trio. <laughs> okay. um, My
1: MVP is going to be Elias. Just because he got like, <laughs> just because he got like the biggest reaction out of me, I think, just of any scene and like any character being introduced. I was like, yo, like I was so hyped because the question was when Loyal's like, oh, you know, we got a new like tracker or sniffer. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be so in the book, his, it's a different guy. Like I said, his name's Huron and he's a good character too. He's a nice guy. And I was like, oh, cool, this is going to be sick. I like, wonder who Huron's going to be. And then they fucking flashed to him and I was like, this fucking. So I was like yeah. oh let's go so that's MVP for giving me my favorite moment and then LVP is a little tough because I kind of like everyone yeah but right? I'm gonna say honestly I'm gonna say Moraine because she is obviously she's dealing with a lot vibe killer but yeah she's quite a vibe killer and she's really <laughs> fucking crushing land here and I don't think she knows that she's doing it too and it, clearly there's a like she has a reason behind it but like I don't know it's kind of like a little much. For me, for my taste, because I'm a big land guy. Obviously.
0: LVP does stand for least vibey persons. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> moraine. <laughs> Jesus. All righty. We have recovered from our choices being stolen. So we're going to start with MVP being, <laughs> I don't know. His name. <laughs> his name is literally written down as Ink Tar. <laughs> <What laughs> it's a G, it? it's a G, not a K. Ink Ingtar. Okay. i have it as ingtar, ingtar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i saw that on your nose <laughs> yeah all right so ingtar just because you know he, I, i'm hoping that his words will eventually reach uh perrin i think he had a really good moment with perrin obviously yeah. and like that anime storyline yeah. yeah it does seem like he reads manga yeah for yeah. sure i think so too so i like him going forward lvp we'll give it to Nynaeve. was not vibing with Nynaeve a lot to be honest this episode right. she was just a little She was a little bratty. I mean, I get it. Like her. Classic. I yeah, her backstory was is definitely I get why she would have these like feelings of hatred towards the Aes Sedai and everything. But at the same time, they did just say you are the most powerful person to walk through these doors in a thousand years. Let's take your job a little bit more seriously. Let's get let's get some uh, actual focus going. So I'll give LVP to Nynaeve. Yeah, she's pissing away all that potential at the moment. Yeah. And uh, Gwaine ain't fucking happy about it either.
1: And neither is Dave. Okay. Um. I just on the fly thought of this. We did it a lot in season one. Just curious if we want to go around and just give our top three characters at the moment, and then we can kind of guess maybe see how they change. I don't know if we want to do this every episode, but I mean, just something. We can I do think it maybe... like right now, and
0: then maybe at the season finale.
1: Yeah, just put it on the board or... for now, and then I mean, we can. We, it could be classic. We'll say top
0: three, and then we'll fucking probably morph it into top uh, five. But just curious. All right. Since I was last, I'm yeah. gonna lead us off, and I'm just no particular order. I'm just. This is going right off the damn. It's like, go. it. we're going to say Lan, Pat, and Fane, Dark One. <laughs> <laughs> we're rooting for the Dark Ones, baby. Let's go. He knew as I was
1: coming out of his mouth. That was his... <laughs> All right. That's quite the fucking start. Uh, uh, Paul, what do you got?
2: I want to go Lan as well because yeah, like he's a beast. I want to go Perrin because his powers awakening are really yeah, cool. I, mm-hmm. Really excited for him going forward. And then I want to do Rand only for the sense that I'm really intrigued by him and his training and what he's been up to. I know we didn't really get him, but I'm probably putting him in my top three because I'm excited to see him. All right, Luke.
3: Um, So are we doing this from, like, perspective of, every like, just this season? No, nah, just like, where you're at right now. Collective, collective seasons. Dude, it's so hard to not be biased being me and you, Kyle, I
1: think, because, like, Rand... He's in there. I don't care. Rand yeah, I mean, season... to say like he had a good end to last season. So, yeah. you know, like if there's only been one episode of season two, I'm so going to say based off mostly last season,
3: Rand, uh, I'll say Rand Moraine and Pat and Fane, because I also just love the, the archetype of Moraine and it was a weaker episode for her, but like, she's still just so interesting every time she's on the screen. So I'm going to pick her as
1: like, my... and then Pat on Fane's just like, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Mine's I'm going to do Perrin i'm an og parent guy to so the day i die and then rand because how can you not like the dr and then uh i'll do the dark one as well because i really
0: like his actor yeah mine i feel like mine are going to be very subject to change just because i'm just <laughs> thinking like you're we're not, throughout the whole season but we're also not going to get like i i just don't see us getting that many scenes with like the dark one yeah, and pat and sure. in and so like i just feel like other characters as they shine through with more con- like screen time. Yeah. I'm just going to appreciate that. Right.
1: More. We'll just be fun to see how it ebbs and flows throughout. Yeah. All right. So that is going to do it for wheel of time. Season two, episode one, a taste of solitude. We'll be back obviously with episode two, episode three. Um, Obviously Amazon does their drops where they do, you know, they dropped all three on what is it is. September 1st, or it says the weird classic midnight. I think it's technically August 31st. Um. And then we'll be back weekly. So we'll be dropping, you know, a lot of, you know, these first three episodes will come out fairly rapid fire. And then we'll be here every week. Uh, We don't have like a day scheduled yet for what we're going to do. We're also not good at being consistent with scheduling things. So they'll probably just fly off the shelves. Um, So the best way to keep up with it is just going to be subscribe. You like that? How I brought that back around? Um, If you subscribe, you'll just get the notifications. You don't need to have like a calendar thing set. It just pops up and you're like, oh, my God. Binged on TV. Dropped the new Wheel of Time Deep Dive. That's fucking awesome. So, yeah, we're also covering a lot of other shit at this point. I mean, this is busy, busy, busy for us. We're doing One Piece live action. We love, you know, fantasy, side by stories, but we are huge anime and manga fans. One Piece live action. Uh, really excited about that. We're also covering Jujutsu Kaisen, which is an anime... Um, and then I don't know if we're doing anything else, but we also, we do a ton of shit. We're covering. busy. Yeah, we're just busy guys. Right? We're so busy. We're covering two shows. We're just busy guys, right? So that's what I'm trying to get across. We got priorities. Um, and We've covered a lot of stuff in the past. So definitely be sure to stick around and find out.
0: Stick around and find out. It's a chart. That's our new chart. It's not fuck yeah. around and find out. Stick, yeah, around, stick, 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 around,
2: stick around, around and find out. <laughs> All right, bye. Yeah, yeah.
0: sign this <laughs>